said, what a wonder working Jesus, amen. Do you know that there is nothing too hard for God? Do you know it doesn't matter what man has said, it doesn't matter what you've experienced, it doesn't matter how long it's been. Do you know that there is nothing too hard for God? God in a second can do what we have labored and toiled to see come to pass. In one second, God can do it. There's nothing too hard for him. He stands alone all by himself. He has no equal. He has no rival. He is a wonder-working Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's so good to see you all today. Welcome to church. We are glad that you are in God's house. Welcome to all of our locations that are tuning in in our online and television community. We are glad that you all are here to hear a word from God. If you need a Bible, would you raise your hands? The ushers will get those to you. And if you have your Bible, would you take it out and hold it up to the Lord? Let's go ahead and say this all together. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. Amen. Y'all sound wonderful. Would you remain standing in honor of God's word? It's good to see you all. I missed you. I'm glad to be back. Um, every time I leave, I want to come back. Isn't that good news? Amen. The time that I leave and don't want to come back, that's when I'll hang it up. But I, I actually missed being here. And can I tell you something? I watched online every single week. Uh, first of all, thank God for the pastors and ministers and, and team that did such a wonderful job. I'm very grateful to each and every one of them. But can I tell you, watching online is just not the same. It's kind of lame, to be honest with you. Like, you don't feel the presence of God and the power of God in the same way that you're in when you're in God's house. And so, for those of you that are watching online, we want to encourage you, come on out to the house of God. It's different here. Uh, the presence of God is here in a different way. Mark chapter number 5, if you have your Bible, Mark chapter number 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him." And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. Can I tell you that there is something in the heart of every single person, no matter how bound they may seem, no matter how the devil may have a hold on their life, that when they come into contact with Jesus, they want Jesus. There is eternity in the hearts of every single person. Don't ever underestimate the power and the lore that Jesus has on people's lives. On the outside, they may seem like they don't want him, but I want to tell you that God has hardwired into the DNA of every single person a hole that only God can satisfy. And so when this man that was bound saw Jesus, he came running to Jesus. 
and he worshiped him. And he cried with a loud voice. And he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment us. And one version says, before our time. How many of you know there is a time when all things will be set right? A lot of people wonder. They say, well, why doesn't God do anything about anything? God has a time when all things will be set right. There's a time coming where there'll be no more sickness, no more disease, no more poverty, no more lack, none of the things that this world has to offer. There is a time. The devil knows there is a time. Don't torment us before our time. For he said, come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 swine that is. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drown in the sea. So those who fed the swine, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those that saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he had got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might uh, be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and they marveled. Today we are returning to and We'll finish in the next couple of weeks. The series that we left off on, he amazes me. And I want to minister to you from the subject, don't lose sight of what's on the other side. How many of you know sometimes when we are going through things, we can get so tunnel vision. We can begin to look at everything that's happening around us and we get consumed with whatever it is that we're going through. But how many of you know if we make it through to the other side that God's got something better on the other side? Don't lose sight of what's on the other side. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the word of God that touches lives and transforms heart. Father, I pray that as I minister to it, to the people as you've given it to me, that you would transform them in every way into the image of Jesus. I pray that there would be no person here who would leave not knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. Last time in this series, we left off where Jesus and his disciples came through a fierce devil-sent sea storm that threatened or was intended to drown them and prevent them from crossing over the Sea of Galilee into the region known as the Gadarenes. The storm was so severe and the waves were so violent that they were beating into the ship and and threatening the integrity of the vessel. It was such a fierce storm that it caused the disciples who were masters of the sea to fear for their lives. The storm was so severe that it caused the disciples who had been with Jesus for a little time now 
and had seen him do many miracles and have compassion on tons and tons of people, questioned whether or not Jesus cared. This was the kind of storm that they had just gone through. But despite the strength of the storm, Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship the entire time. And when he was woken up by the disciples to help, he literally shook off the sleep, stretched out, got kind of loose, if you will. And then with three words, he rebuked the wind and the waves and he created this great calm. And it caused the disciples to marvel and wonder what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him. And with that, both the disciples who panicked and Jesus, who was in perfect peace, made it through the rain, kept their point of view, made it through the rain, and kept themselves protected from the others who got rained. No, I'm just playing. Got rained on too. That's a little shout out to Barry Manilow. The point is they, they made it to the other side, to the intended destination. And this message is for everyone and anyone who has or who will go through a fierce devil-sent storm that causes you to fear for your life, that fills you with anxiety and threatens to question or cause you to question whether or not God cares. God, don't you care? Look at what we're going through. God, don't you see? Don't you see that our life is in danger? God, don't you see what's going on? Don't you see that my marriage is in trouble? God, don't you see that this sickness is is really doing a number on me? God, don't you see that I can't pay the bills? This message is for anyone and everyone who has going through or will go through a storm that causes you to begin to ask questions. God, do you care? And the message that God has for you is don't lose sight of what's on the other side. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of the Red Sea is the promised land. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of Goliath is kingship. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of the pit and the prison is a palace. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of these light afflictions is an eternal weight of glory. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of the test is a testimony. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of the pain is great gain. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of the price is a prize. Don't lose sight of the fact that on the other side of the questions is a gratitude for God that will deepen your faith in him. Don't lose sight of what's on the other side. The scripture says don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you faint not. The scripture says they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Keep your eyes on Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. Don't lose sight of what's on the other side. And from the text, I want to share with you three things that are for you that are waiting for you on the other side. Number one. Someone who needs you is on the other side. At first glance, the person on the other side seems crazy. Our text said he had an unclean spirit. Literally, this describes someone who is controlled by a demonic force that is impure, filthy, lewd, foul, and sexually vulgar. Don't worry, I'm not talking about you right now. Hello? So much of this is going on. In our society, isn't it? 
The enemy plays this hand time and time again. Perversion is one of the ways that the enemy captures people. And the reason why he does this is because he takes a natural thing, a God-given gift, and he twists it into a perversion, and it begins to control people. And if you read through the story, this man has made his home in the cemetery. He cuts himself. He cries all night. We read down in the text, and we find out that he is controlled by a legion of demons inhabiting one person. He seems crazy. He seems invaluable. He sees, seems unredeemable. He sees beyond, seems beyond rehabilitation. After all, according to the text, many have tried to bind him with chains and fetters to keep him under control, but no one could. In rage, he would break him. It seems like this guy is a lost cause, but he was valuable to Jesus. Jesus knowingly went through a fierce, satanic, ship-sinking storm to get to him. Jesus decided after a day of tiring ministry that he needed to go to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, which was Gentile country, i.e. why you have a herd of pigs being raised instead of a herd of sheep being raised. He decided to go to a culture and to a people that knew nothing about him, a people that were enemies to his people. Why? This man was important to Jesus. If there was ever an example of God not looking on the outward appearance and looking past our problems and our tattered exterior to the potential that is on the inside of us, this is the man. The enemy does not bind or control or attack people who are not important. Think about this in terms of sports. You know, I, I coach basketball or help coach basketball here in our school. Um, and, and, and this year, we are going to run everybody off the court this year. Anyway, um, whenever there's a guy on the court or a girl, for that matter, on the court who's left open all the time, guess what? The coach and the team knows they can't hurt us. They can't beat us. But whenever there's somebody on the court that is drawing a double team, what's happening is that we are saying we've got to stop this person, otherwise we are going to lose. How many of you know the enemy does not double team just anybody? The enemy double teams people who are important to God, people who have a mission from God. The enemy doesn't just come against anyone. If you're under attack, it's not because you are invaluable to God or beyond the reach of God, but rather it is because you are important to God. If all hell is breaking loose in your life, it must mean because you are important to God. Matter of fact, the size of your storm is not an indication that God doesn't care, but it is an indication that God might be on his way to deliver you and give you an assignment that heaven needs you to fulfill. There's somebody on the other side of your storm. That needs you. Don't disconnect from this man. Most of us read this story and we disconnect because this dude is crazy. He's out of his mind. He's cutting himself. He's, he's living in cemeteries. He's, 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 he's living amongst the tombs. He, he, he's breaking chains. He's got demons in him. I, I can't relate to this guy, but, but maybe there's a little legion inside of all of us. See, what do you mean, Pastor? I don't mean demon possession. By the way, there's a little new doctrine that's going around that says Christians can be demon possessed. It's a lie from the pit of hell. 
If you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, you cannot, God doesn't live in duplexes, by the way. God doesn't share space with anybody. By the way, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is deliverance. But there's a part of all of us sometimes that winds up controlling us just a little bit, doesn't it? How many times have we been controlled by a habit, controlled by a circumstance, controlled by an addiction, controlled by something that we've been trying to break free from? And how many times have we told the Lord over and over again, God, if you just forgive me this time, I won't do it again, God. There's a little bit of legion on the inside of us where we're constantly hurting ourselves and cutting ourselves by giving in to the temptations that we ought to be overcoming in our lives. Don't disconnect from this guy. This guy is somebody that shows us on the other side of whatever it is that we're going to. There is somebody who needs us. And it's not just that we've made it through the rain. It's not just that we've got to the other side. It's not just that we kept our world protected. It's not just that we kept our point of view. It's not just that we made it through the rain and kept ourselves respected from the others who got rained on to. It's not just that we made it through. It's why did you make it through? Why did you get to the other side? Why did God deliver you? Why did God take you over? It's because on the other side of that thing, there was somebody who needed you, somebody that needed your help, somebody that needed your testimony, somebody that needed your compassion, somebody that needed your encouragement and your transparency, somebody that needed to know that you just came through a storm that you thought was going to kill you too, that anxiety that filled your heart, but God showed up in the middle of your storm, and the same God that did it for you, can do it for them. Why did you get to the other side? Because there's somebody who needs you on the other side. But the second thing that there is for you on the other side is the assurance that God cares. The assurance that God cares is on the other side. Mark chapter 5 is an explanation of Mark chapter 4 verse 35. You remember after the tiring day of ministry where Jesus has basically worked himself to the bone. He's exhausted. And the Bible says they took him as he was even into the boat because he had given the order. Let's go over to the other side. And it seems like a very intentional command. It seems like it has a, a very specific purpose behind it, but the purpose is not really explained. Jesus just tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. By the way, many times in your life, God will give you a command, but not tell you why. And the way you really tell if you are following Christ is if you can obey God without knowing why. See, we are such an inquisitive generation. Everything has to be explained to us. But there are many things in your walk with the Lord where God will just tell you to step out. And you won't know why. And you won't know why until after you step out. God says, let's go to the other side. And it seems like he has a reason, but the reason is not explained until we come to Mark chapter number 5. Because on the surface, you would think, well, Jesus, why can't we wait till the morning? Why can't you sleep in your own bed tonight? Why can't, you know, you get a good night's rest and we regroup and we meet here on the shore in the morning and we'll get the boat nice for you and everything like that. We'll all be ready. Why do we have to go right now? And I submit for 
for your approval because some people would say, well, the reason why they went to the other side is because God sovereignly knew that there was a man there. And I believe God did sovereignly know that there was a man there that needed his help. But I believe that the reason is much more intimate than just God's sovereignty. Matter of fact, if you read Mark chapter 5, verse number 5, understanding that every part of the word of God is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for our revelation and enlightenment, you understand that these words that are written here in Mark chapter number 5 are there for a reason. They say, and as always, day and night, he, the man, was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Day and night. And I want to submit for your approval that the reason why Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, is because Jesus heard the cry of this man day and night. I don't know when Jesus heard it. I don't know if it was when the man was up late because he couldn't go to sleep because his mind and heart and life was barraged and controlled by demons. And maybe when he was up late, Jesus was up early praying and preparing his heart to fulfill the will of the Father. Maybe he heard his cry when he was walking on the Sea of Galilee one day. Maybe he heard his cry when he was fishing or sailing in the boat. But one thing that I believe with all my heart is that Jesus went because Jesus heard this man's cry. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Listen to the word of God. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. This poor man cried or lifted up his voice to the Lord and he saved me out of my troubles. The righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of their trouble. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined his ear onto me and he heard my cry. Can I tell you that God hears the cries of his saints? Hold on and keep on crying. Keep on crying out to God. God does not waste your tears. God does not ignore your tears. God bottles your tears. God responds to your tears. Call on to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. God went because God heard. God hears your cries. God hears what's going on in your life. Matter of fact, I remember one time when I was crying and crying and crying. By the way, it's okay to cry. The Lord gave me something. He said, tell the devil he should have never made you cry. I said, what do you mean? He said, just tell him. Say, he should have never made you cry. I said, why, God? He brought me to Exodus 22, verse 23. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. He said, tell the devil he should have never made you cry. See, he doesn't know what he puts into motion when he touches the anointing of God, when he touches the children of God. God hears our cry. The cry of a saint is a call for the help of Almighty God. Birds chirp and lions roar and dogs bark and cats meow and dolphins click and frogs croak and bees buzz and whales sing and elephants trumpet. But God hears the cry of his saints. Keep on crying if you're going through something. God will rescue you. God will hear you. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but at every point was tempted and tried yet remained without sin. Why? He can be touched. He feels what we're feeling. 
God hears the cries. This man was abandoned by everyone. He was abandoned by his friends and families. He was left in a cemetery. We know this because later on, Jesus tells the man, go home to your friends. Meaning he had friends, but they left him there. See, one of the things we need to understand is Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We need to understand that human love legitimately has limitations. Let me say it again. Human love legitimately has limitations. There are some times that you can keep loving and keep loving and keep loving, but you eventually get in a situation where the loving is no longer healthy for you, and so you reach human limitations. But I want you to know that the love of God knows no limitations. That's why God said, I love you with an everlasting love. And even when everybody else abandoned him, Jesus knew where he was. And Jesus went to a place that nobody else would dare to go and visit this man in a cemetery. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are even there. You are never beyond the reach of God. God is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when you get to the other side, there is this uncanny revelation of how much God cares. They left him in his condition to die. God told me to tell somebody, don't stay where they left you. Don't stay where they left you. Don't stay in divorce. Don't stay in lack. Don't stay in sickness. Don't stay in betrayal. Don't stay in bitterness. Don't stay in unforgiveness. Don't stay where they left you. Keep crying out to God because God hears the cries of his people. The third thing I want to share with you today is on the other side, there is an encounter with God's power on the other side. One of the main themes of Mark's gospel is the authority of Jesus over everything and everyone. And so it is to highlight that Jesus has been given a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, the scripture says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father by us. The purpose of the gospel of John is to highlight that Jesus is seated far above principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so as we come into the book of Mark, we find out that the very first thing we are told is that John baptizes Jesus. But John in baptizing Jesus says that even though he came after me, he existed before me. Why would John tell us something like that? Because the purpose of Mark's gospel, the theme of Mark's gospel, is to elevate the authority of Jesus. So he opens with his preexistence, that he is an eternal God, that he's always been, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the last. And then he moves into other things. We see that he moves from there into being tempted in the wilderness by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And that angels come and attend to him. Again, he is magnifying the authority of Jesus. Then he frees a man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue in church. Then many who are diseased and demon-possessed, he cures. Then leprosy bows before him. Then he heals a man with a uh, withered hand. Then he commands the wind and the waves to obey him. And now he moves to an encounter not just with one demon, 
but with a legion. Six thousand. Mark is trying to magnify for each and every one of us that this gospel is about the power and the authority of Jesus. And one of the things that happens when you get to the other side is you have an encounter with the power of Almighty God. And we see God's power in the pigs. This man has a legion, 6,000 demons inside of him. When Jesus orders the demons to come out of the man and to go into the pigs, the pigs run off the cliff and they commit suicide. They could not withstand having these demons in them. But did you notice something about the man? Even though the man was possessed with 6,000 demons, he was still able to run to Jesus. That while the demons were talking, the man was running and worshiping. By the way, even if the devil's got a hold on you, can I tell you what you need to do? You need to run to Jesus anyway. This man came running. And when I read this, I said, look at the power of God. Why? Because this man was created in the image and likeness of God. The pigs were not created in the image and likeness of God. But the man was created in the image and likeness of God. And just by virtue of the fact that he was created in God's image and likeness, there was a power and an authority on him to resist the enemy. Imagine the power and authority when the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Imagine. That's why the Bible says, Behold, I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. There's an encounter with the power of God on the other side. We also see the power of God in the pigs and that the pigs ran into the sea of Galilee and drowned themselves. Why is this significant? That was the sea the enemy tried to drown Jesus and the disciples in. Can I tell you what happens when you get to the other side? You realize that the power of God to turn every evil thing that the enemy has sent you away around for his good comes to pass in your life. There's an encounter with the power of God on the other side. But we also see the power of God on the other side in the chains. The scripture says no man was able to bind him. They tried. They tried to control him, and he would just break the chains. By the way, what power did he use to break the chains? The power of the devil. Now, let, just, just think about this for a minute. The devil possessed him. He was crazy because he had 6,000 demons on the inside of him. They put chains on him. But by the power of the devil, because the devil didn't want anything controlling him except him, he broke those chains. But if he never broke those chains, he wouldn't have been able to run to Jesus. And so on the other side, you see that God uses everything that the enemy meant for evil and turns it around for your good. There's an encounter with the power of God on the other side. We also see the power of God in the chains and the feathers. No man could tame him. No man could control him. They tried. They tried to stop him. They tried to keep him. They tried to bind him. No man could do it until Jesus showed up. Can I tell you what happens to you when you get to the other side? You realize that with men certain things are impossible but with God all things are possible. There is never anything that God can't do. 
is insulted when we think something is hard for him. He looked at Abraham and Sarah when they laughed in his face. Imagine laughing in the face of God. God shows up, and God says, I'm going to give you a child in your old age. And you laugh in God's face. But yet we laugh in God's face all the time. God said, I'm going to miraculously provide for you. And we go on living as though that's not true. We're laughing in the face of God. God says, I'm going to raise you up from whatever deathbed you're on. We laugh in the face of God. But did you hear what the doctor said? Did you hear what this is going on? We laugh in the face of God. And what happens when we get to the other side is there is an encounter with the power of God where we understand that God's power is greater than and not limited to anything that the that man can cannot do. God, God is not stopped when man has exhausted all of his resources. But then we also see the power of God in the cutting. Why was this man cutting himself? It's called pain-to-pain therapy. And people administer it to themselves all of the time. What happens is that people try to inflict pain on the outside in some physical way to dull the pain that they are feeling on the inside. And so they anesthetize themselves. Some people literally cut themselves. They call them cuts. Some people drink the pain away. Some people drug the pain away. Some people work the pain away. Some people uh, go into reclusion to dull. We try all of these things to get the pain away from our lives. But here's something about the power of God. First of all, you cannot deal with an inside pain by attacking it from the outside. Most problems are not physical problems, they're spiritual problems. That's why you cannot legislate morality. Not saying we shouldn't have God be lost. But that is going to change the heart of man. Because the heart of man is an inside problem. And the only way you can get fix an inside problem is with a spiritual principle. And here's something about the power of God that makes it different and than anything else. The power of God gets into the nooks and crannies of our life. That's why you can get into the presence of God when you've been addicted, when you've been bound, and you can be touched by God and really feel free. You can feel cleansed. You can lose your appetite for it. You can walk away and never touch the stuff again because the power of God gets on the inside. Jesus dealt with this man. It was a spiritual problem, not a physical problem. We see the power of God in the cutting. We see the power of God in the legion. Jesus said, what's your name? Now, most people think Jesus was asking because he didn't know. God is omniscient. You know, God never asks a question for information. If God is asking you a question, he's not wanting you to inform him of something he doesn't know. God is not leaning on your wisdom in order to get smarter. God asks questions for the purpose of revelation. Not information, but revelation. And Jesus has people around. His disciples are around. The man is around. Maybe there are other people who are around. We don't know if there's anybody else, but at least the disciples were. And he asked the question, what is your name? And the man says, Legion. What is the revelation? Legion means 6,000. 
The disciples just saw Jesus calm a storm with three words, peace, be still. Or we say one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. Jesus is now getting ready to take on 6,000 demons and one Jesus. 6,000 to 1. Anybody think the odds are very good that you can go against 6,000 and you are just one and come out victorious? The revelation that God is trying to unloose in this text by asking the question is to let us know that the power of the enemy is no match for the power of God. Has the enemy got a hold on your life? It is no match. God with a word, go, leave, can overcome the enemy. Matter of fact, in one place in Scripture, the Bible says that they accused Jesus of casting out devils by the prince of devils. And he said this, he said, if I by the finger of God, have you ever told somebody, either sarcastically or maybe out of respect, don't lift a finger? Just sit there. One of the things I say around the house jokingly all the time is I tell my family when I'm doing something, don't worry, I got it, I got it, I got it. Don't, don't lift a finger. What do we mean by that? Don't exert any energy. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, if I by the finger of God cast out devils. If I by the, in other words, this is how easy it is for me. This is how, this is how not even in the same league is the power of the enemy and the power of God. The enemy makes us quake in our boots. Oh, we're under attack. We're under attack. We're under attack. How about we're under the anointing. We're under the power of God. No weapon formed against us will prosper. All those who rise up against us will be condemned. This is the heritage of the Lord. On the other side, there is an encounter with the power of God, but then also on the other side. We see the power of God in the man. The man was left in his right mind. The greatest gift that God can give you, one of the greatest, is peace of mind. The thing that works against the souls of people most often is lack of peace. People worry about stuff that causes health problems and takes years off of their lives. Many times we are told, I don't know what the statistic is these days, something like 85% of the things we worry about never actually happen. Worry is a waste of time. This man is given his peace of mind back. By the way, on Wednesday night, and yes, I'm back teaching Wednesday night Bible study. I'll see you there this Wednesday. That means about 90% of you. That was for 90% of you. We're talking about the peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. It means that I could be at rest in the middle of a storm when everybody else is panicking like Jesus. He was sleeping while everybody else was bailing water. Why? He had the peace of God that passes all understanding. This man is giving his mind back. God wants to give you your mind back so that you don't fret. God wants to give you your mind back so that the enemy doesn't have a foothold in your life because most of what the enemy does is he gets into your life by touching your head. Gives him his mind back on the other side. There's an encounter with the power of God. But notice, this man is in his right mind, and he wants to go with Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he goes into the boat, and he's waiting there for Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, no, you can't come, which is kind of astounding when you think about this. Because when Jesus called the disciples, what did he say? He said, leave everything and come and follow me. By the way, sometimes... Depending upon your mission, God will give you the faith to go 
or the grace to stay? Did you hear me? The faith to go, most of the time that's when you, you sacrifice leaving what you think is good, knowing that you are walking out into the lack of security of what God has called you to, even though the safest place and the most secure place you can be is in the will of God. When God asks you by faith to leave that which you hold on to, it can be a scary proposition. Sometimes God will give you the faith to leave, but other times God will give you the grace to stay. And whether God gives you the faith to leave or the grace to stay is dependent upon the assignment that he has for you. And when it came to the disciples, he said, leave everything and follow me. Don't leave it in a few minutes. Don't leave it tomorrow. Don't get your affairs in order. Drop your nets and come and follow me. This man said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Can I go? Jesus said, no. Maybe the man didn't want to stay because he didn't know whether he could continue to stand. He's been in this region and in this environment, and he has seen how the enemy has got a hold on him. Maybe it shook him to the core to think that he would have to stay in an area that he was bound. But here's what, what when Jesus tells you to stay, and you are in a situation where you were bound, and he gives you the grace to stay, it's also because he's going to give you the grace to stand. When God gives you the grace to stay, he gives you the grace to stand. What do I mean by that? That you will not fall back, that you will not go back, that the enemy will not pull you back into that situation. Situation. But we have to be led of the Lord when it comes to these things. Jesus says, no, no, you can't come with me. Now, on the other side, there's an encounter with the power of God to, stay, to be free and stay free. But let me wrap this up. Why does Jesus tell the man to stay? And why did the demons want to go into the pigs? And what do the two of them have in common with one another? Well, this is a Gentile region. It's not a Jewish region. They don't raise pigs as herds in Jewish regions. They, they raise sheep. But it was a herd of pigs that had an owner, the scripture told us. Pigs were their economy. And so the pigs were valuable to them. And the enemy did not want to lose his hold on the region so what he wanted to do is he wanted to touch that which was valuable to the people. Can I ask you a question? What happens to your relationship with Jesus if your pigs get touched? See, y'all didn't hear me. What happens to your relationship with Jesus if it means that you have to sacrifice economically for the cause of of the gospel. Notice what happened to them. As soon as their pigs got killed, what did they say to Jesus? Leave our region. They kicked Jesus out because the enemy touched their finances because of Jesus. How many of you can choose Jesus over the pigs in your life? The pigs killed themselves. The pigs wanted to stay in the region. The enemy didn't want to lose his grip. He thought he was outsmarting Jesus. Hey, can, can we go into the pigs? If we go into the pigs, we can touch that which is valuable to them. And the pigs go over and they kill themselves in the Sea of Galilee. The enemy thought we still got control of the region. He didn't realize Jesus was going to do one thing. What did Jesus do? The man said, can I go with you? Jesus said, no. 
He said, why not? He said, because now I am going to give you the grace to stand and the grace to stay so that you can also have the grace to shine. There are times when God wants you to stand in the position or the place that he's delivered you from so that people can see the goodness of God. This man was a missionary to a city and a place that didn't want Jesus. They thought they were kicking Jesus out, but Jesus said, you can kick me out, but as long as I've got ambassadors and representatives in that place, my glory continues to shine. Are you shining? for Jesus? What are you doing in the place that God has you in? Do you realize that God has taken you to the other side so that he can get glory from your story? There is power to witness on the other side. There is power for you to shine on the other side. What are you doing still here? I am testifying to the fact that Jesus did it. Why are you in your right mind? Jesus did it. Why is it that you haven't left this area? Jesus did it. How is it that you made it through? Jesus did it. How is it that you didn't lose your whole life? Jesus did it. See, God has called you to stay in places and occupy spaces so that people in your life will know that Jesus did it. Would you stand?